Sports are back. Save 40% while you're at it at The Athletic if you want to come on and subscribe. If you listen to this podcast and you don't subscribe to The Athletic, what are you doing? I'm a writer who they just let talk. You can come on and you can read my stuff. And if you don't even want to read my stuff, you can read about 100 people who are better than me. So come on, subscribe to The Athletic, especially now that sports are back. You can get 40% off. Don't miss exclusive in-depth coverage of this unprecedented sports season. Subscribe and save now. Sign up to see your set for yourself the creativity, reporting, and storytelling that sets The Athletic apart. If you go to theathletic.com slash wizardsafterdark, you can receive 40% off an annual subscription. Sports are back and you won't want to miss breaking stories on your favorite teams or any other kind of analysis or follow-ups from games, features, all the stuff that we have on there. So go to theathletic.com slash wizardsafterdark for 40% off an annual subscription. We hope to see you there. I've been very excited for this episode of Wizards After Dark for a while because uh, I've got a very cool guest and we're doing a cool thing. So right now, it is the th- the start of the third quarter of Wizards Pacers on Monday afternoon. The Wizards are down ninety to sixty eight. Uh, the Pacers just went on a twenty four to five run to close the third quarter. Ends of quarters have not been great for the Wizards in this game. The Pacers went on a twenty to two run at the end of the second, and that just went on a twenty four to five, I think, to end. Uh, to end the third. So I'm going to watch the fourth quarter on the podcast. And I've done this on the podcast before. I did it with Ben Standing a couple of times, or three times or something like that, and got pretty positive reviews from the listeners. So we're doing it one more time, but I don't have Standing on. Instead, I'm really excited to have this guy on because uh, th- there's just nobody I know who loves getting super nerdy about basketball and talking X's nose and whatever else. I don't think anybody loves it more. So uh, joining me on the Skype line is... Uh, Head coach of the Capital City Go-Go, the Wizards G League team, Ryan Richmond. Fred, what's going on? This, the Skype line, never never dabbled in the Skype line, but it's great to be here. We got you. Thanks for having me. We got me. Skype on your phone. We got it on your laptop. We got you a new account. It's a big day. Yeah, yeah we did it all. We did it all. It's very exciting. It's, uh, it's great to be here. The uh, NBA restart has been a, a great success so far, so I'm excited to talk some hoops. Yes. Let's let's talk hoops. So so right now it's it's ninety to sixty eight. We're just gonna chat about the game. We're gonna use the game as like a, a jumping off point. We're gonna talk about bigger wizard stuff. And 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 I've, as I've told you about a million times, the reason I want to have you on is because you can talk basketball nerd, uh, and I mean basketball nerd as a language, not an adjective. You can talk basketball nerd. Uh, like like few other guests I could potentially have on, so I I really uh, I wanted to get there, and I know you're a total hoops head, and you've been you've been watching all the games, and uh, I'm I'm excited to talk talk some hoops with you. Yeah, definitely. I won't tell Ben you uh, just <laughs> dissed him that way, but uh, uh, thank you, thank you for that introduction. <laughs> any any observations on this game so far? Yeah, I mean, obviously it was a great. Oh, here comes a hammer, Doug McDermott. That's like their favorite play. They run for Doug McDermott with uh, TJ. That was great defense. Yeah, where they get it, where they get it um, in the corner. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. TJ uh, sets the little rip screen and then he goes to the baseline. Although, looked like we sniffed it out. So credit to our our coaches and players for reacting there. And that's why he cut to the middle. Um, 
Is there anyone better at keeping his dribble alive than TJ McConnell as he just travels, by the way? You <laughs> you guys might have a point guard who's better at keeping his dribble alive. Ish Ish Smith is yeah, Ish Smith is pretty damn good at keeping his dribble alive. Definitely on that list. Right? Who else is who else is on that yeah, list? Yeah, we actually we call that a nat we uh, we call that a Nash dribble because Steve Nash used to be amazing at it. Um, TJ's definitely on that list. Ish is on that list. Um, Chris Paul is probably on that list for sure. Mm-hmm. For sure. Uh, who else? He's he's really good at, at that. I, I will say this too. I was uh, watching during the hiatus. The, that OKC team was was quite the educational experience and. Uh, I definitely had like a newfound appreciation for Chris Paul, Chris Paul, and just the way he's kind of melded that team together. Um, obviously, Shea is just a complete stud, but he's been incredible. Why? Why is it so? Like you talk about, like so the Nash dribble. Nash dribble is basically when you end up dribbling under the basket towards the other side of the court, right? And and just kind of restarting yep. over your offense in the half court. What? Yep. Why is it that all the guys who are really good at that, even though there are so many great big facilitators, why are all the guys who are really good at that small? Like, I think they have to be because like they're just used to trying to find more real estate, right? Like they're just trying to find more angles. And a lot of times when the bigs are in drop, it's just a good way to beat the big and, and kind of take that baseline, just explore a little bit more around the court. And, and usually the defense, as we know, the defense will look at the ball and then you could either get spray out threes or they'll look at the ball and you'll get cutters going to the rim. So it's a pretty effective means in particular for small guards. You guys have played better defensively to start off this fourth quarter. You guys are a little more active. Yeah, definitely. This is a little better. Definitely. More, what? more physical, more active. When 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 you guys have something because you know you guys are last in defensive efficiency and and pretty much have been either last or twenty ninth for pretty much all of the year between you and Cleveland. When you guys have it going well defensively, like what what is it that that you do that you think is replicable to be able to improve on? I would say just protecting the paint. You know, there's uh, there's certain places on the court where we talk about a defensive shell and it's something that, that the coaches and players work on, watch film on and uh, just having a defensive shell. It's basically like a protective armor around the paint to help, you know, like solidify not allowing drives and not allowing rim finishes. Um, obviously the three point line is a concern, but what we always talk about is protecting the paint and rim first and then building out to the three point line. I mean, I think, I think personnel wise, like Milwaukee does it the best, right? They're really good. Obviously they have such good personnel for it and that obviously helps, but I found I mean, you probably watched it. I thought it was fascinating last night, like watching them play Houston. Mm -hmm. And even though, you know, I mean, Milwaukee's up eight with three minutes left, and Houston shot incredibly from three. I saw at one point were they like seventeen for forty-two? I, I forgot like the final numbers, but like they were shooting the ball really well, and Brooke Lopez was like helping a lot in the paint and almost giving up to some degree some some threes so that they could still keep 
uh, Westbrook and Harden out of the out of the paint. I thought that was interesting. Um, obviously, it'll it'll be interesting to see like what happens in the playoffs. Will teams try and do that? Yeah, you know. Yeah. Well, what's what's really interesting about Milwaukee is like they are the reason I think Milwaukee versus Toronto is so interesting. If that ends up being the conference finals, is is because like those those teams have polar opposite identities and play to their identities at to such an extreme and elite level. Like Milwaukee basically goes out there and says, we are going to play the way that we play. Brooke Lopez is going to be dropping back and protecting the rim. We are going to fight through every single screen. We are going to let you take the shots we want you to take. And we are, and we are not going to conform to anyone we play and, and Toronto defensively. And there are, also excellent defensively. They're maybe the, maybe probably the two best defensive teams in the league. Uh, I think they're one and two in defensive efficiency right now. Toronto is just a defensive chameleon. Like they're they're just gonna kind of switch it up, and sometimes they're gonna zone, and sometimes they're gonna man. And Kyle Lowry is just gonna fling himself around the court, and they're just they're such different identities. They play such different ways defensively, and they're both so freaking good. And I love watching both those teams. Uh, I, 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 I love that. It's, they're just, they're just great examples of how, and now the thing they have in common, they're, they're the two deepest defensive teams in the league. Like every single player that those two teams play is good defensively. You get to the Milwaukee bench and you're still dealing with like George Hill and you get to the, you know, the Toronto bench and you're still dealing with like Ibaka and Norman Powell. And and other really good defenders, uh, and their entire starting lineup has good defenders. So like, just just from an identity perspective, it's it's different, you know. It's it's fascinating, and they're fun to watch. Yeah, I think it's. I mean, I've never, I haven't seen a better scramble team than Toronto. I mean, the way they scramble is just like impressive. You know, like have you seen a better team that just flies around? No. Um, at all five positions, it's, cre- it's incredible to watch. And and the one, I mean, the one common denominator I see is that you look and they're one and two in opponent three point attempts, which is fascinating, right? Allowed, allowed, yeah. So they all that both teams give up almost forty threes a game, close thirty eight point nine and thirty eight point six. It's fascinating. Um, I mean, the Bucks, yeah. Absolutely. Toronto gives up corner threes too. Like yeah, like, they 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 are aggressive and they're strong side corner defender. Yeah, like the Buc- um, the Bucks for example, like the Bucks the Bucks play that drop coverage. They dare bigs to take above the break threes. They'll let you take those shots, and and there's the whole theory of like they let the right guys take threes. What's interesting with Toronto too is that teams are shooting. All right, I want to get your theory on this. So teams with Toronto are shooting really really poorly on open shots and that's just you know according to second spectrum and that's just kind of been the thing with toronto all year um give me your theories you think that's flukish or you think that there's like a real thing toronto is doing to make it so teams are 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 bad on on open shots against them i think there's a, a lot of it's flukish but a lot of it is also uh, they, they switch defenses a lot. I don't think teams get in a good rhythm, right? And it's just, for me, like, I think that's a big piece of, like, having comfort for an offensive team. Defensively, if you're throwing different defenses and 
it's not a common thing in like in the league you know like it's not like a thing that a lot of teams do although it's funny watching teams I almost fell out of my chair watching Orlando throw in his own you know that was just shocking to me you, you guys you guys are uh, on a little bit of a run right Steve now Clifford. yeah we yeah, we are it's nine I mean 90 to 678 well, right now 90 to 78 Indiana 840 left in the uh fourth quarter yeah game game still alive and well right now making a nice little run it's good to see this group uh Get 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 the team back in the game. Yeah, this is um, like, this is the bench unit here. That's that's defending yeah. well. And the Pacers have not scored in this in this quarter. Um, and I would say this too, like if we see Tibbs run his own next year, then I think in New York, then I think all bets are off. <laughs> like that's going to be the biggest. That is just going to open the floodgates if Tibbs does his like throws in his own then I don't know. I don't know what to say. There's a lot of zone now. You guys you yep. guys played as much zone as as any other team in the league this year. The Clippers played zone in the restart I saw. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's something to a, a lack of practice time and a lack of, I don't know, I mean, conditioning, but the practice time piece, maybe like throwing a zone is beneficial. Um, I mean... I could see it. Yeah, I think it's interesting. Have you seen? Have you seen like that? I mean, you mentioned the lack of practice time. Have you seen that defenses are are behind right now? It, I mean, it feels like the scoring's up, and that's just from my eyes. Yeah, my you, eyes know, are- you know what's interesting about the scoring stuff is like, I think a lot of it might just have to do with the fouling. There's been so much fouling. Yeah, and and yep. and I guess part of that you can blame on late defense, but pure pure eye test, pure eye test. Officials are just calling more fouls. Like, yeah, I, I think guy, I think there's just a tighter, a tighter whistle at Disney World, and it'll probably loosen up for the playoffs. Um, but this is, by the way, nice to see um, with with Jerome, obviously starting pretty slow, but coming on strong right now in the fourth is is great to see. Yeah, he's he's made four out of five shots right now in the fourth quarter. He was one for eight from the field. And he's uh, he's made four out of five since. And, and he's. Do you notice a different comfort level with him um, inside the three point line versus versus outside? Um, I think. I mean, inside he's really good at creating. You know, like he's good off the dribble. Um, and I think outside just still getting his kind of legs under him for his catch and shoots. And I, I think he'll be a really good shooter. Um, and I think he'll just keep improving. What's what's he have to do? Like, is it so the percentage is is he's a thirty percent? That was a really good box out from him just now. It's ninety five eighty two now. Pacers with about seven minutes left. Make that ninety five eighty four. Rui, Rui, strong, strong take up the court. Um, I I I'm wondering like what is because Jerome's shot from three. It doesn't. It's not like there's an obvious hitch or anything like that. And he's a thirty percent shooter from three. Is it just him getting more comfortable with his motion? Is there something I'm not? I'm not quite seeing. No, I, I think I think it's really just a comfort level and a confidence, a confidence just piece, just to be um, making shots. And I think like I've seen him work tirelessly on his catch and shoot three so i have like all the confidence that he's going to become a, like a very good wow can he score or what tj warren oh man 
he just finds a way to score. It's very impressive. But yeah, I, I have all the confidence uh, in the world that that Jerome is going to be a really good shooter um, in the next few years, especially our player development. I mean, you see what our player development have done has done with someone like Isak Manga, and you know, like he's just shooting the ball so much better. And, and sometimes, as much as we see it in practice, it still takes a little bit more to see it in games, right? Like that carryover effect takes a little bit of time to go from practice to games because there's obviously a lot more at stake but um those, those guys have been those guys in particular have really worked worked on their shots so tj warren man he Gosh. talk about talk about improvement you know unbelievable like how much better is he and i i did not put him on my most improved ballot uh even though I think he got better this year from last year, because for him, it's just kind of been like, it hasn't been a one year thing. It's just been like three straight years of that dude coming back and you being like, Oh, TJ Warren's still getting better. And then another year of, Oh, so TJ Warren is just going to be a 40% three point shooter now when he was just the dude who couldn't shoot. And then it's, Oh, TJ Warren just kind of got better at everything again. And now he comes back in this restart and he's dropping 53. And now he's got 32 on 13 of 24. Um, TJ Warren is, he's only 26 still. Like, TJ Warren could continue to get better. It's it's not crazy to say that we haven't seen peak TJ Warren because every time TJ Warren comes back, that, that dude's better. You know, no doubt. There's no doubt. Yeah. I mean, you just look at his stats and he's barely, he barely took any threes. He didn't play a ton, obviously his first couple of years, but still like his first year, he took 20 threes, 21 threes in 40 games. Like think about that. <laughs> and then last game he goes nine for 12. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, you know, he came out last year. He shot, I forget what he shot last year in Phoenix. He shot well above 40%. Um, he was like 42 or 43% from three last year. I mean, a really great number for a guy who like, you know, I'm going air quotes, can't shoot. That was the MO. Yeah. He can't shoot threes. Yeah. Unbelievable. Who, who was on your most improved player list? I, who was your... I voted for Ingram. Yeah. I, I could see Ingram, that. That's, Ingram, that's a pretty good pick. He just got better at everything. And yeah, and adding impressive. the shot, adding the shot just allowed him to totally, totally change the way he played offense from a from like a volume perspective. You know, he could just do so much more. I just think he's. I I was always a big Brandon Ingram guy, so I'm not necessarily I'm not surprised by it. I always thought he was going to be really good, but it's not most surprising improvement. It's just most improved, and I just thought he. He really made an amazing leap. But there are some other guys I would be totally fine with a vote on. Like Yeah. I mean like Shea, obviously. Well I just right? I just don't he obviously got a lot better. I just don't love voting for second year players. Cause I feel like you're so what do you mean? I just think you're, you're supposed suppo- to get better. If you don't get better in your second year, then that's that's kind of weird, you know? Like even yeah, even players who aren't good players get better from year one to year two. Um, That's just kind of natural progression and familiarity of the game. So I I feel like 
it's hard to judge. If I were putting second-year players, if I didn't have that personal policy, I would I would just I would have just voted for Luca. Yeah, fair enough. You know, just because like while Luca was awesome as a rookie, he he's a superstar now. Yeah. Um, and that yeah. that leap from you know solid, good player to absolute superstar top ten in the league is uh, an unbelievable leap to make in year two. So I, I actually considered putting Luca on the ballot, but. But I did not. What do you think of the way Troy, yeah, Brown, I mean, Troy Brown just hit a three? Yeah, perfect example of shot a shot improving, too. I mean, he's definitely improved his shot. And part of that's just reps, you know? Like, it just like we asked the Jerome question. Part of it's just reps. Uh, popping bigs are hard to guard, my friend. They really are. Oh, yeah. Like Miles Turner. Yeah. Miles Turner has become a big good player. shot. Uh, with Troy, I mean, I think Troy looks totally different during, uh, during this time. And I'm sure part of it is just the fact that like, he has the authority to handle and run the offense and, and do the things that like, I know he thinks of himself as a point guard and I'm sure that's part of it. Just like role, but like, he just, he looks more assertive. Doesn't he, doesn't he look more comfortable? Yeah. Yeah. Did you? Are you surprised by that? Did you expect that? No, I, I mean I expect it. He looks more comfortable. It's obviously like just playing in more games, right? Just it's good for him to play in these games, play in more games. He's he's worked on his body too. If you look at his body, it looks like a lot more defined, skinnier, um, which I think is important, obviously, for his position. What's what's next for him? In which in which capacity? If if I told you, like you want to see something, like like what if oh, you had to set personal goals for Troy Brown for the twenty 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 one season, what would you tell him? Like, hey Troy, this is what I would love to see from you this year. That was a yeah. I, I know I'm a little bit ahead of you, but Rui just made an abs like the best pass he has made in the restart. Really grab grabs a rebound and you know, Rui's had a couple of plays where um, he's actually been able to find shooters. He had a couple of plays. He had a, he had a play in the post yesterday against the nets where he kicked to Thomas Bryan on the wing. uh, And he made a similar pass in the first half of this game. And this is probably the best one that he's made. I mean, he got up in the air and and he hit, he hit Shabazz right in the, Right in the pocket just now, and Shabazz Shabazz just hit a three from the right Jerome. wing. Or Jerome, I'm sorry, might, from yeah. the uh, from the right wing to make it 100 to 91. Huge. I mean, this is big what a I mean, big. This is why this is amazing piece for us. Like, think about the the lineup we have on the court and the experience they're about to get. Right. It's it's, it's great. So I mean, against a it's a, a good team in Indiana, and this is the, an incredible experience. But getting back to Troy, I would say that I'd love to see his three points. So he was 32% last year. He's about 34% this year rounding up. If he could, if he could get that up to like 36%, I would think that that would be a really realistic and attainable goal for him on similar attempts, maybe get it up to like three attempts a game. Um, I think that would be a really, really important piece. And obviously like the one thing with him is his, his rebounding, I think is really good. And that's, 
that's one of his elite skills right now. Um, and then, then the other piece for him, I would say, is just defensively. Is just taking that challenge defensively on a night in, night out basis, and that's where, that's where he's working to improve. The staff has done a really good job because his jump from last year to this year is significant. Like he's made a big jump um, from last year to this year defensively in one on one situations, and then next year he's going to make another big jump. And a lot of it is like knowing personnel, knowing angles, knowing where your help is. Like gets back to what we talked about before about like protecting the paint. Um, and knowing your shell spots defensively. Do you care about... But this is a big, it's a big stop. Yeah. Do you care about... You mentioned his three-point shooting. Do you care about... Do you break it down to the point of like how he shoots on threes off the dribble versus how he shoots on catch and shoot? Like, does, especially like next year when you guys are, you know, hoping to have John back and Brad's going to be there and... You know, Bertans realistically will will be around, and and you've got other guys putting up shots, and 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 you know, Ish is still under contract next year, and and you got you got John, you got Brad, you got Ish. I mean, there there are ball handlers there, and and Troy mm-hmm. Troy likes to handle, and and Ish has shown that he's he's a capable facilitator, and will probably only get better because he just turned twenty one years old. Do you do you care more about the catch and shoot stuff right now, if you had to pick, than the off the dribble stuff? Yeah, I would say I would say the catch and shoots for sure are the priority, um, and I would say that uh, the off the dribble shots are the the hardest threes in the game, and that's what what really separates the elite players. I mean, you watch <laughs> you watch Damian Lillard last night against Boston. I think it was last night, and it was just the shots that he's making are absurd. You know, like they're they're pretty much unguardable unless you just just go full blitz on them. Right, like there's no other way to do it than just he's making off the dribble threes from 35 feet away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. I mean, I think that that's that's something that only a handful of guys can do. So for next year for Troy, um, I think catch and shoot. That was a long way of saying catch and shoot's the priority um, for him. This, um, but but again, like his development is going to be teams are going to dare him to shoot off the dribble, so he still got, has to work on it. Right, like he still has to work on it, improve it, um, and have it for when he needs it. But here, obviously, he's in in the point guard position. This is huge for Jerome Robinson right now. This this dude is going off, and he's throwing. Oh, up, nice! And he's throwing up shots, and he's attacking, and he looks confident and comfortable. You know, it's it's funny you mentioned confidence. Like we ask we ask Scott Scott Brooks in press conferences about Jerome Robinson. And his jump shot, and the first thing Scott mentions every single time is some form of the word confidence. And he took 19 shots during the last exhibition. And I thought a lot of them were shots he didn't necessarily need to take. He took 11 mid-range jumpers. I think 10 of them were off the dribble during the three exhibitions. I'm like, he doesn't. He doesn't need to be taking those contested looks early in the shot clock. Um, but they look good when he makes them. And right now he's yeah. he's really confident and he's putting up some of those looks. And when you're really hot, they're more forgivable. And he just scored again and, and then he found a way to get to the line. And now he's got, I think, 15 yeah. in the fourth quarter right now with three minutes left. It's 105-94 Indiana. And I kind of feel if all you guys talk about is is his confidence, I kind of feel like win or lose, this is probably a, a really big thing for him. 
Definitely. And I, I actually think him drawing that foul is is almost more impressive than the previous shot that he made. Because I think that sometimes the uh, a big separator with players is how can they get to the, the, the free throw line. Like if you even look at Brad, like Brad came in the league attempting under three free throws a game, right? And in relatively similar minutes, now he's up to eight free throws a game. And and part of that is part of that is like obviously more respect from the referees and, and all of that, but like part of it is just like I, you know, hate to say it, but like institutional knowledge of like how do I get to the free throw line, right? Like how do mm-hmm. you even do it? It's not like easy. It's not like an easy easy thing to know how to do. Ooh, big shot. Thomas Bryant, by the way, um, is fascinating. Yeah. He is, he's, oh man, Troy Brown, what a dish to Thomas Bryant on the, on the pick and roll to get it to him. I mean, this, this, this but, looks, uh, this looks, you know, what's funny. I told you that the last time I did this podcast, I think it was the last time was the time that Chris Middleton went for 50 or this kind of podcast where we, just, I started in the fourth quarter was the time where Chris Middleton went for 50 um, and the Bucks kind of had a commanding lead and then you guys made a little bit of a comeback and it just never really felt like you were you were quite there. And right now we started this yep. thing when it was a 22-point game and now it's 107-98 to with a minute 20 left. And, and you guys are kind of making a run and, and Pacers just – just missed a shot. Troy Brown's leading the break, and Isak Bonga just put in a layup to make it one hundred seven to one hundred with one fifteen left. Um, and mm. now, now you guys are making a little, a little bit of a run, and it's happening again. So maybe every time I do this podcast format, there's there's just going to be some sort of some some magic. Yeah, yeah. Maybe <laughs> maybe you guys need to have me doing this every time. Although they, you guys lost the Bucks game, so so maybe not. We'll see what happens here. But you you guys might need me. Need me doing this format podcast every single time you play a game. Yeah. How about this environment, too? I mean, just like I was at the G League Showcase this year, and it, it, it looks pretty similar in a lot of ways. Really, really cool, though. I like it. Okay, let's see. Bas- basketball. Our, fe- our feeds are not synced up. This is great. Yeah. <laughs> the beauty of being in different places. Basketball with no fans looks way better than uh baseball with no fans oh totally totally baseball was not meant to play with no fans i would say baseball looks worse and i love baseball so i'm still watching it really oh yeah i love baseball love it i'm weird still watching every yankee game is it gonna happen what's going on over there i don't know man quite the case study of bubble versus non-bubble I know, I know it's a disaster. I mean, I, I, I don't cover the sport. I don't know what's going to happen, but it doesn't look good. It doesn't look good. Okay, 107, 100, 112 left in this quarter coming out of a timeout. Um, what, what do you want to see in these, in these 112? Like you're going at what, how, how are you trying to play this right now? Are you so, yeah. Okay. Yep. Go on. They're, they're going to, advance the ball obviously i would assume um 
And um, I would try to take the ball out of TJ Warren's hands. Find a way to get the ball out of his hands would be my my priority in this situation. And if it's in an ISO, if it's obviously a pick and roll, it's easier because you can get two two players on him in an easier fashion. But if it's not and it's more of an ISO situation, oh maybe they won't. Oh sorry, yeah, they probably can't advance it. Sorry, I'm thinking I'm thinking uh, G League rules. Um, full g league yeah sorry i'm I'm in a different different headspace so right now we have to go for a trap because they only have what three seconds to get the ball over half court so if we get a trap uh okay so a great time to trap and not foul yeah try trapping tj warren oh don't don't foul (laughs) oh I love I love I love the live reactions. I know, right? No, that's his shot too. Oh. I love I love I love the live reactions of you seeing a TJ Warren floater go up after they did actually trap TJ Warren in uh on the right side of the court up against the the half court line and uh and then he ended up giving it up getting it back missing a floater. Uh it is 109-100 right now after a couple of free throws from the Pacers 42 seconds left we're in another timeout Scott you know Scott Brooks is is really I feel like I have a I have a pretty good feel I think he's good at ATOs and yeah and I feel like I have a pretty good feel for for him ATOs by the way or after timeout plays uh I I I feel like I have a pretty good feel for what he likes to draw up in his after timeout plays. But yeah. this is a completely different roster. So I have no feel for what he's going to draw up. Like if Bradley Beal were here, I think I'd have a better idea. <laughs> but but this is a different roster. And Scott Scott obviously will adjust to the skill set uh, on the court. And when I say skill set, I don't mean caliber of player. I just mean like you have different players. You run things differently. And uh, I have no feel for what Scott is going to draw up here. I mean, I would think something, some sort of fake handoff with Rui going to his right hand, potentially with, with Jerome, who's been the hot player on the backside, something along those lines um, could be, could be good. But um, yeah, I, I actually, one, one thing I would love to see in the NBA is the, the G league reset rule. Cause like in that situation with Indiana, Obviously, they dribbled, so they couldn't advance it. But like, I would call a reset in the G League, and then you can advance it. Do you? You don't. You don't take a timeout, but you can advance. Do you it. like the advancing the? Um, I mean, yeah, I do. In the G League, also they 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 cut the shot clock if you advance it too, so that you have to take into account time and score. Right. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, I typically like advancing unless you're going to get like a, a full head of steam, and obviously depends on the. The clock. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that was nice. Really nice. Nice play. It. You ended up not uh, not being. You ended up not being far off. Rui ended up taking the inbounds and and finding Jerome. And Jerome got a pretty good look. He was just short. Yeah, I like that. That was That's nice. Gonna be it. That was a nice play. Nice play by Coach. It's gonna be it. That was that was a good play. Pacers are up one eleven one hundred now after a couple of Malcolm Brogdon free throws. Twenty two and a half seconds left. So that is. Uh, that's going to be the unfortunate dagger 
for the Wizards. Yeah, that is unfortunate. Although you'd probably be, um, it's probably easy to say that this was the best performance um, because it's against the best team, regardless that they're missing uh, Oladipo and Sabonis. Still, still a good team. And a very well coached team. Yeah, defensive minded for sure. Um, you know, those um, Nate McMillan teams always always play pretty hard. They're well coached. Yeah, I would agree. But this is where coach coach is going to use his timeout too because this is a good opportunity for a late game situation. Right, and you could just practice it. Run it, run it as yeah. if it's a three point game. Like this is what you guys talk about with like development, right? Like it's an eleven point game with twenty two and a half seconds left. Run it as if it's a three point game. Definitely, definitely. You think Thomas Bryant could shoot forty percent from three on a high, on a higher volume? You think he'd still shoot forty from three? Um, I think he could. It's definitely the the type of shots he's going to get are, are catch and shoot, uh, especially playing with the roster. You know, with John Brad uh, DB, he's going to get open shots, and he's shown the ability to make them. What's he average like a little bit under one a game? Obviously, he's, for the I think season, one point four a game. One point four, so one and a half. That one and a half a game. You're saying if he bumped that up, if he doubled that up to three? Yeah, let's say three. Let's say he only takes trailer threes and pick and pop threes. Pick and pop trailer, well, and maybe just like, like a you know a swing pass space corner him. threes. Exactly. It's sometimes it's nice spacing someone like Thomas Bryant because and what you saw Scotty do. And the coaching staff, they did it last game when he was feeling it. They put him in the right corner and put Rui in the pick and roll. So now they're I think Jared Allen was on him, but now they're best rim protectors in, in a in a tough situation. Right. Now he's thinking, do I help at the rim or do I have to guard someone at the three point line who is made three in a row at that point? So um having him is such a such a good weapon. Ooh, they went to that close up feed. You hate to see oh, it. Oh, that feed, that that camera angle that they keep showing in this game just kills me. <laughs> it just kills me. No one wants to see less of the court. They keep doing this camera angle where they keep showing like a third of the court on the side, on a side angle of the camera, and I, I, no one, no one asked for it. Nobody asked for it. I love. No, no, we sure didn't. <laughs> I love, love that that comeback. Yeah, so Pacers, Pacers just won one eleven to one hundred, which drops the Wizards to twenty four and forty three. Uh, TJ Warren had thirty four and eleven on fourteen of twenty six shooting, four assists. Uh, Wizards stuff. Thomas Bryant had twenty again on nine of twelve shooting, eleven rebounds. Um, Thomas Bryant had some some beastly uh, moments on the offensive boards too late in that game where he, he, he had yeah. some really good fighting plays, which which you don't always see from him. I thought Rui played much better than he played yesterday. He just involved I, I don't care he shot four for twelve. He involved himself more. He went nine and seven and six and and had some better intuitive plays. Uh Troy Brown had ten and seven and eight. Uh had some only had three turnovers. They weren't good turnovers. They were they were kind of they were kind of sloppy. Shabazz had sixteen. Uh, Ishmith had twelve. Uh, Jerome Robinson had seventeen. Fifteen in the fourth quarter. Went seven for eighteen from the field after starting one for eight from the field. Two for ten from three. 
I, you know, it's funny. So I did, I did a story at the end of the exhibitions, like what's real and what's fake. And just took some, some things that we saw during the three exhibition games and said, what's real, what's fake. And one of the things that I said was fake was Jerome Robinson volume shooter. After he took 19 shots in that last exhibition, uh, it seems I was wrong because he, he took 18 tonight in 29 minutes and was letting them fly in the fourth quarter. So um, it seems I was incorrect about that. It's funny how his shots in the second half were much harder and he made them. Um, it, it felt like they were much harder. And in the first half, felt like they were uh, easier open shots. Um, and he, he just didn't make those. So I actually love the fact that he came back in the fourth when we really needed it, and we outscored him by 11 points in the fourth quarter to make it make it a three-possession game with a minute and a half left. So uh, I actually love that from him because, you know, like you, you mentioned the, that confidence word, and, and that's a huge part of, of gaining it, right? Like just being in those situations where, you know, when things are flowing and it's it, people – uh, you're feeling good and shots are going in like the next shot's always good but sometimes it's not as easy if, if you've kind of struggled in, in an entire half and uh so i'm i'm proud to see that growth from him for sure so that, that was big. i have a question for you so so yeah so thomas bryan is playing really really well offensively now he had he had 30 30 yesterday on what did he shoot yesterday i can't remember it was it was a really really good shooting line uh, he was four for mm-hmm. six from three shot six. I think it was yep. 12 for 20 from the field and four for six from three. He he scored 30 very efficiently. Today was 12 for 20, four for six. Pretty good. Mr. Katz. Nice work. Go. Look at you. Today he had 20 on nine for 12 from the field and two for three from three. He is yep. shooting the piss out of the ball right now. He had zero shots in the first quarter. Thomas Bryan is not a guy who is going to just get the ball himself. And something I talk about on every episode of this podcast now, because I think it's interesting, is is who's going to be the guy who's going to step up and be Thomas Bryan's primary facilitator? And I think the answer to that question is Troy Brown. But one thing with Troy, and and one thing with like the point guard gene, and like this is this is not a skill set on how good of a passer you are. This is just kind of like a gene, which is Oh man, my my big man hasn't touched the ball in a little bit. Let's get him a touch here. Let's let's get him a shot. Especially when your big man is is playing, you know, when it's both of his hands are just completely on fire, right? Um ideally you don't want to go that whole first quarter without getting Thomas Bryant a spot a shot. If only because not just cuz he's he's hot, but because Thomas Bryant's value that he's bringing you is his individual scoring. Like that's his best trait that he's an incredibly efficient individual scorer. As a coach, and I realize it's probably different in the G League than it is in the NBA, but like Troy's a young player and and Ish, while he's a vet, is like amenable to everything because he's Ish Smith, right? Um, as a coach, how often are you talking to guys in game about that kind of stuff? Like, hey, like remember, get this guy hasn't touched the ball in a while, or is it just like left up in game to the players to make those decisions at the NBA level? I think, I think it's left up to the players, but I also would say that like we would do some things in practice where we would, um, 
almost drill that a little bit. Like we would do like Kellen Dunham, for instance, one of our, one of our better shooters, we would play four on four on four, which is like a, a staple drill that we do. It's up and down for basically three teams of four on four. If you make it, you go down on the other team. Um, if you miss, then, then the other team, whatever you, you understand the game. Like you play one on one on one full court, right? Same mm-hmm. thing. All right. So if you get the stop, then you take the ball to the other team. So four on four, on four we would do things where, like, if Kellen Dunham, he was the hot player because we had to work on that. Like, defensively, we had to work on if a guy's hot, how do we, like, lock into him and know that the team's probably going to go to him and we have to get that stop, right? We have to, we have to shut him off because guys in the G League, just like the NBA, they get hot and then it's impossible. Like, we saw TJ Warren at 53. Nine for twelve from three. It's it's basically impossible to shut them off at that point because they're so talented and so good. So we would do things where like if Kellen got a catch and shoot three, then it would be like worth five points for that five minute game. And that it, it trained a couple things, right? Like it, it trained our players to find a hot shooter, right, and and screeners to go screen for him and get him open, find a way to get him open. But it also trained the defense, like we got to lock in, like everything's in play now emergency switches if you get caught on on a pin down right like you have to be locked into him physically maybe top lock him send him away from the screen don't let him use the wide pin down so there's situations where where we train guys to to look look for that but there's sometimes where it's like just playing basketball too like if someone's hot like you got to get them the ball right yeah no that's super interesting any 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 takeaways from this game before we wrap up that we haven't talked about already um, definitely Shabazz's best game, which was good to see. Um, I thought, it, uh, although Mo didn't make shots, I thought that, uh, his overall floor game was better than, than it has been. Um, you know, two steals, two blocks, two assists for him, uh, pretty good. But I mean, I think we did a better job. I know it's something, uh, that we're working on, but we did a better job of not fouling. You know, we only put him to the line 16 times, and uh, we got to the line 13 times. So it's not that discrepancy wasn't wasn't too big. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, for for a rebounding team, we we were even in the rebounds. Usually, uh, Indiana is a good rebounding team. Obviously, they don't have a uh, Sabonis, but uh, I think this was our best game. And you could see, uh, obviously, it didn't result in a win, but the progress from our guys is there. And, you know, credit to the players, but really, you know, also definitely credit to the coaching staff for for coming up with good good game plans and good execution. But um, I, I think our players are improving, which is important. I mean, you see it too, right? It's pretty pretty easy to see. I wrote about it this morning. Did My you? My story this morning was, yeah, the Wizards effectively got eliminated from the playoffs with that loss to the Nets. You can go read it, by the way, on The Athletic. Uh Oh, the athletic. Okay. Oh, on the athletic. You work for the athletic. Oh, oh okay, got it. Got it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Athletic. Why are we using Skype? No offense, Skype, but <laughs> you can tell you can tell your your friends to subscribe. Um, oh, I can. I got it. Did wait? Wasn't there a story about Giannis subscribing? Is that true? Yeah. Wasn't there like some sort of interaction? That was with... a thing. That was a thing. I can't remember what it was though. There was something. There was something with Giannis about. Wanting a subscription, I've had I've had players ask like uh, I've had players ask me to get them free subscriptions. 
Really? Yeah, and this Ennis Canner wanted me to get him a free subscription. I was like, dude, I've seen I've seen your paychecks. You can you can afford five dollars a month. I'm not worried about you. <laughs> I can't even get a free subscription for my mother. I don't think I'm gonna be able to get it get it for you. But Ennis Ennis Canner is like a walking billboard for the athletic. Ennis Canner Is he really Ennis Canner showed up, you know how the players have like the uh like the you know, there's always there's always media out there taking videos of them when they come in to see what guys are wearing. It's like they're walking down the yeah. runway when they get to the arena. Ennis Canner showed up yeah. to a game earlier this year in an athletic uh sweatshirt. And now he just wears it to games every once in a while. So and whenever he does, obviously everybody at the athletic ends up sending it to our Slack and <laughs> retweeting it and everything else. I love it. Yeah, so the company goes crazy every can, time he does it. Can I ask you a question? Sure. That seems fitting on turn, your your Turn podcast. the tables. Yeah. yeah. Who Who's the one player that you love that either doesn't play in the league or like is on a team, is just not in the rotation? Does anyone come to mind for you? Mm-hmm. There's, there's, I think the ultimate answer to this question is is somebody who's he's not in the league now and hasn't been in the league for a while. Oh, but but the guy who I always thought was like this guy is gonna come out of this guy is going to bust out and and be a legitimately good point guard. I just checked; he played ten NBA games in his career. He played Casper Ware. No, I did love Casper Ware though because I loved that Long Beach State team. Uh, yeah, okay, sorry. I just I thought I thought we were going to come together there. He was in Wizards training camp. Casper Ware is fun. No, he played pleasure. He played six games for the Rockets in 2012-13, and four games for the Lakers in 2018-19. Was uh Scott Machado? Oh, Scott Machado, Iona. Yeah, Iona. I just man. I thought Scott Machado. I was, I was so, I was like, no, the whole world is wrong. Scott Machado is gonna be good. I just loved his pace. I thought he was such a diligent point guard. I thought he was such a good passer out of the pick and roll. And nope, but he is a one hundred percent free throw shooter for his career. I'm learning right now. Three for three. Is he well, really three, three for, for three? three. Nice. So played ended up playing forty NBA minutes in his entire career, and. uh over was that over 40 minutes over seven years six of those five wow. of those years he was not in the league and 40 minutes over 10 games uh that was like that was the guy that i was i was like this guy is is really gonna be good um if there's another guy who's kind of out of a rotation or something like that well, I'm thinking this guy is good in today's today's game. I'm trying to think. Is there someone who comes to mind for you? Yeah, I love I love Nikhil Alexander Walker. Yeah, I don't know what it is. He played he played in the G. He played like a couple games for Erie, and he was really good. But I didn't know until they drafted him. I didn't know about him very much, but he. I thought he was just like so incredibly impressive at summer league last year um, that he was he impressed me, and he's he's Shay's cousin, so you know I think there's definitely definitely something there, and 
that's actually something that I wanted to talk about was the, could it be any cooler to play with your brother? Like, um, Justin, Aaron holiday. Like, is that, does it get much cooler than that to play in the NBA on the same team as your brother? No, that's awesome. The Lope, the right? Lopez is too. Yeah. Lopez is, that's gotta be like best case scenario. I mean, right? best case scenario, the Lopez's might live the best case scenario. The Lopez's might get each get their first rings together. Yeah. Like think about how great that is for the parents probably. Yeah. You know, like they would get to do that together potentially if the Bucks win the title this year, which they very well might. I mean that. Talk about re- talk about recreating himself. He's taken way more threes than he's ever taken in his career added up like not even close he's recreating himself on both sides of the ball did you ever think five years ago like i put him on my my all defense robin brooke or brooke oh yeah yeah yeah. i was gonna say robin doesn't have the minutes he might might be able to do similar i put uh i put brooke um second i put him second team all defense I, he had yeah, a tremendous defensive season. He, he was the best rim protector in the league this year. Wait, wait, hold on. So when you say you put him second team all defense, like are we talking the athletic? No, we're talking my my have... personal vote that I had. Oh, you have a vote. I have a vote. Wow, I have a vote for all of it. That's that's that's, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm not I'm not so arrogant that I'm like ah, I put I put this in my basement and keep it up together, and I I think that's important enough to tell anybody. How do you even get a vote? Like, they just ask you. What's, what's going they on? just ask you. They just ask you. They just ask you, and then you, you say yes or no. That... Yeah. Well, they ask you. You say reminds yes or me no, of the line uh, in Seinfeld. Do you, know, do you even know what a write-off is? Do you remember that line? Yes. With Kramer and Jerry, one of one of the greatest episodes. Yes. One of the greatest like Jerry Kramer interactions, I would say, like that exists in Seinfeld. Well, the write-off interaction. Well, on that note, please, if you haven't seen it, someone, someone, please YouTube that. On, on that note, before we wrap up, I'm going to ask you. I want to hear your your rapid fire answer to this question. Is there an NBA head for what? I want to hear your rapid fire answer to this question. Is is there an? Uh, they're gonna say. Is there an NBA? Well, I was gonna say, is there an NBA head coach, G League head coach combination in the league who loves Kirby enthusiasm as much as you and Scott Brooks? <laughs> uh, I don't. I don't think that exists. I, I'd be. I'd be hard pressed. I'd be hard pressed. I don't know. That that would be an interesting uh, field experiment. For uh, for maybe maybe that can be Ennis's first first job as an athletic intern is to find that out for for us all, <laughs> and we could get it we could get him the subscription. There you go. Um, well, thank you so much for coming on, man. Yeah, that was this great. is great. That was great. Um, before we wrap up, if you want to subscribe to the Athletic because you're just you're so intrigued by all this athletic talk, you can do it. You can get a forty percent off discount if you go to the athletic.com slash wizards after dark that gets you $36 for an annual subscription to the athletic it's normally 60 but you're getting 40 percent off just because i like you so much for listening to this podcast so again if you want to sign up for the athletic and that's a full subscription to the athletic that gets you 
everything on The Athletic DC. It gets you all of our baseball coverage, basketball coverage, football coverage, everything else that we write. It gets you everything on the site. 40% off on an annual subscription if you go to theathletic.com slash wizards after dark $36 for the full year. If you're just randomly listening to this episode and you want to subscribe to Wizards After Dark, you can do it wherever you listen to podcasts. If you just love the show and you want to show support, you can go to iTunes. You can give us five stars. You can leave a review. Make the review nice, as as I might request. Uh, that is going to be it for today's episode. I will be doing another post-game episode, as always, after uh, the Sixers game on Wednesday. They'll be up either late, late Wednesday night or, uh, or early Thursday night. I'll talk to you guys then.